Welcome to Unprofessional and Unprepared, our lighthearted weekly conversation about sports, life, fatherhood, and whatever else comes up with no script and no preparation. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and this week we get to talk about an important but ugly Browns win, the NFL playoff picture, college football bowl madness, and geniuses. I'm joined tonight by two of the best ever co-host Phil Denko is here. As always, it is so good to be here, Gerbs. Thank you very much. You bet, buddy. Cybersecurity Chief Chuck Rambaldo is here as well. <laughs> I got a lot of titles and I love every one of them. It's good to be here. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it until I run out of ideas, buddy. All right, Phil, let's start with you tonight. Earlier this month in Rome, Bishop Antonio Stagliano broke the news to a bunch of little kids that Santa isn't real. Vafangul! <laughs> <laughs> according to a subsequent facebook post the roman catholic diocese of noto insisted that bishop stagliano didn't mean to dash the dreams of the youngsters just two weeks before christmas ah fanabla so denko who is worse the bishop or chuck's cousin (laughs) (laughs) um they're both uh, terrible people, but I'm going to give the nod to the bishop because he's, he's a longer a longer reach in terms of his sphere of influence, I would think. And I, I got to say, you know, as far as Catholic bishops go, maybe lay off the kids for a while and give <laughs> yeah, a break. Man. I mean, what the? <laughs> Haven't you done enough? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> All right. Well, before this gets more serious than I intended, let's move on to our first segment. We'll stay at home. We'll start with the Cleveland Browns played the Baltimore Ravens in the first of nine consecutive must win games. If the Browns want to win the Super Bowl, they squeaked by the Ravens this week. Nothing about this game makes me think this team turned a corner during the bye week, but the Cleveland Browns are now seven and six. They're only a game out of first place. They are still breathing on offense this week against the Ravens. I'm not entirely sure what to make of what we watched. The Browns only scored 17 points on offense. That was all in the first half. Nothing in the second half. Scale of one to five. One being getting socks for Christmas. Five being getting a Red Rider BB gun. How disappointing is this offense? It's a tough scale for me, man, because as I get older, I'm actually asking for socks at this point in undershirts. (laughs) Uh, So I enjoy those things, but disappointing. So I I would say... um, kind of like a tale of two halves here. Usually the Browns are Jekyll and hiding from week to week with each game, but it seems like it's this game. It was in each half. So uh, I would say if you're looking at the first half, not too disappointing, second half beyond disappointing. So I'm going to go with a uh, two somewhere in there. Yeah. I'm on the lower end of that scale for sure. Like a, a, a two is about right. I think, you know, the way that game started, you thought, okay, this is a team that clearly put in some work on a bye week. They're rested. They're healthier. Their offense is clicking. The two touchdown passes that Baker had, those are the plays we've been calling for forever. Play action pass, roll out right on the money to a tight end, you know, something like that. That looked great. Then they went into the locker room and I'm not quite sure what happened after that. The Ravens can make their adjustments all they want, but all you needed was one maybe two scoring drives of any yeah. kind in the second half. And it was, you know, the, the game was in hand. And so you leave that game and you don't feel any more, you know, all right, we're, we're ready to go here and move into these last four games. And you don't feel like you have any more confidence in this offense because of that second half. It was terrible. Yeah. And it's so tough because that first half Baker looked better than he has in 
five weeks, six weeks. He just looked sharp. He Mm -hmm. was moving around. He was making good throws. He had the interception, but it was one of those ones where you don't know whether is that a bad throw or did the receiver do something he wasn't expecting and the ball just ended up in the wrong place. What was the problem in the second half? Because I think we know semi-professional sports talkers like Tim Schantz, who will tell you they abandoned the run in the second half. I think they abandoned the pass in the second mm-hmm. half. I think the problem was that they stopped throwing the ball downfield. Yeah, I, I agree with that. In, in fact, uh, Baker's post-game uh, conference, he kind of alluded to the fact that this team, you can't come out in the second half and be conservative. You need to go out there and, and win the game. Good teams put that game away uh, as soon as you come out of the locker room. And it was strange, though. I mean, it's like it doesn't feel like they tried to force the running game either in the second half. They were just never really getting any kind of rhythm. So they were a three and out or they... They drove down the field that one time and then, you know, doinked the, the field goal attempt yeah. off the, the upright. So that kind of put a damper on things too. But I agree. I feel like at that point, you know what? You've got the division leader down big time. That's the time you throw the conservative play calling out the window. I mean, you could almost you could almost deal with, you know, a downfield pick or something like that. You know, why not? I mean, you're punting the ball every three plays anyway. Yeah. You know, get a little aggressive and see what happens. And maybe you put even 10 points on the board in the third quarter and that game's over. Chuck, what do you think about that second half and about what the Browns were doing? At least watching the first half, it seemed like, man, there was a little bit more creativity with the play calling, better schemes, some stuff. I was like, oh, I haven't seen that this year. There were some play calls then. And then the second half, it looked like either they were going to run the ball or run a slant. That's it. Those were the only two play calls. They're running off a tackle or running slants on pass plays. I mean, absolute agreement with Phil. Like when, when you have a, a really good football team on the ropes, it's not the time to kind of cower. You attack. I, I hate it's like we're using fucking standards here. You're playing not to lose uh, at that point where I thought this offense could open up a little more, uh, at least in that second half. Uh, it would have been a great time to open it up because you're dealing still with a, a receiving core who's not that good and really wasn't getting much separation anyway. So so why not try stuff to push the ball downfield? As you said, Gerr, Baker looked great in that first half. He was accurate. Ball was where it should be most of the time. Uh, it was great play calling. And then the second half, it just like, hey, this is what the last four or five weeks have looked like with this offense. Again, just really vanilla, really boring and real shitty. Yeah, it's almost like they took that criticism that they abandoned the run too soon in games and tried to prove everybody wrong by just running and running and running, or at least trying to run in the second half. But the bottom line is, and, it, and it's the same thing that happened the week prior against the Ravens, their defensive line just kicked our ass. It's not that they weren't trying to run the ball. It's that they couldn't. You can't just keep running three two-yard plays and punting the entire half. And in the first half, we had a, a Ravens secondary that's completely depleted by injuries. And the downfield passes were working. Still understand why they didn't stick with that in the second half. Because I think that would have worked where Baltimore made clear through one and a half games of football against us this year that we couldn't. We couldn't move on their defensive line. And I guess the only real positive thing I take from that is nobody else has been able to do that to our offensive line this year. Nobody has played us as tough as the Ravens. So that bodes well for the rest of the season, hopefully for this offense, maybe getting something moving a little bit. But that, I think, was the problem. They wanted to establish the run, I think, in the second half, and they couldn't. And that just kind of screwed everything up. How about a game ball for somebody on the offense? This was hard. Um, I've got a couple options. I'm going to lead with the offensive line. The reason I'm going to give it to the offensive line for this game is is mostly because of the way the first half panned out. But 
even as the game went on, they gave up zero sacks. Uh, yeah. Baker, Baker got touched. So one why time. not? Why not throw more? Why not right? throw more? Right. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, he got one quarterback hit. I think there were two tackles for loss against us in the entire game. So the offensive line was doing its job protecting the quarterback to your point. All right. You know, you know, run blocking is easier for an offensive line and we've got one of the best run blocking offensive lines, but when it's not working, it wasn't like they were getting pressure on, on us when there was a pass right. play called. Yeah. So you drive the ball downfield and they're going to start backing off a bit. Right. I mean, to give you a, a comparison, I think the Browns hit their quarterback eight times and Baker got hit once. I'm going to give the, the game ball to the offensive line without that kind of performance. Uh, we didn't know it at the time at halftime, but as the game went on without that kind of performance, that would have been a huge problem. It's a good call. I'm uh, somewhat split. I don't even know the dude's name who they signed late last year and played Blake in Hans? a playoff game. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank that's you. That's his name. Thanks, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, that guy Phil was pretty was, much that's why Phil's the co-host. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I mean, that guy was pretty much a tight end yesterday. Uh, obviously, he yeah. wasn't running any routes, but um, he just seems like a, a guy who was probably selling used cars uh, has filled in really nicely. But uh, ultimately, I think uh, if I'm giving a game ball and I don't know if he deserves it, but uh, Donovan People Jones at least shows some flashes as a receiver that he can separate, that he can be a difference maker, that he can stretch the field. And he's not all that fast. So it seems like at least the guy who we talked about in preseason having a breakout year, I don't know if it's a breakout year, but it's a guy who's becoming more reliable uh, in this offense. And I think he had maybe 80 some, maybe 90 yards, which is a Mm -hmm. big deal on this offense uh, that it gets spread around so much. So, so maybe it's him. I actually didn't think of anybody. Um, I wrote this part of the outline like right after the game, and I couldn't think of anybody on offense. So only two game balls going out this week. Uh, Let's talk about defense. Was good most of the game. Fell apart late third quarter, early fourth quarter, but came back to make the plays they needed to at the end. Feels like they should have been better against the Ravens backup, but Phil, was Tyler Huntley better than Lamar Jackson? If you ask Jadavian Clowney, the answer is yes. He actually said that yeah. after the game. He's like, oh, he, did he? he's like, he's like, yeah, that guy was <laughs> well, quicker than, <laughs> yeah, you should have, but he was apparently busy for the pod, but I, I don't know. I mean, come on. Lamar Jackson's a, a, an, an NFL MVP. I can't imagine he's actually better, but you know, he's a similar skill set. Maybe he has a better passing attack, I guess, in his arsenal. I don't know. That said, I mean, I, I think the defense still did their job. They played a good game. Like it was yeah. it was tricky in the second half, but at the same time, I don't think any of the guys on defense thought our offense would go over the second half. You know, you put any points on the board and it, you're you're able to yeah. kind of pin your ears back. Uh, the scenario started to dictate how you played defense toward the end. And there were some guys flashing yesterday uh, in important really clutch uh, plays, you, you know, maybe they didn't have the stat line as we get into game balls here in a minute, but they really flashed and, and made huge plays on huge downs. Whereas in the past, it was almost, it's almost always the opposite, right? Like, oh, geez, like third and eight and we're giving up nine yards. You know, right. That kind of thing. I felt like they were really solid. Most of the game, there was just that little window where the points started racking up and made us all sweat through it. But what was the uh, most important thing? The defense yeah, did okay. check. I've never been the, the biggest fan of Denzel Ward, but uh, he played a physical game yesterday yeah, that I'm did. not used to seeing out of him. So uh, I appreciated that all around. It's tough, you know, like at some point they're going to bend and, and break a little bit against yep. a Ravens team. Overall, I've been impressed, I guess, is the right way to say it, that this defense continues to get better and better each week. I think it needs to continue, obviously, but the, the physicality maybe of a, of a secondary that sometimes comes off a little soft, at least mm-hmm. earlier in the season was nice to see. 
you bring up a really good point because I bet it's been like five weeks since we made fun of Joe Wood. And then, you know, that's, that's telling man. Um, yeah. and, and I think it's something yeah. that they, they played this game without Newsom and without Harrison. And those are two pretty important pieces that they were missing and, and they Walker, still, right. And Walker too. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, Walker. Yeah. So there's, there's three yeah. big pieces. Well, I guess I was thinking about the secondary was, I got uh, you, but, um, but still, look, but yeah, those that, are three those are, yeah. big pieces on defense that you don't have. And even some of the big plays that the Ravens had, you know, the, the defense was still there. The coverage was there. They just, they just made plays. I wish that we could learn to cover tight ends better. That would yes. be one thing I would ask them to yep. look into this week, but uh game ball on defense. I don't know if I've ever seen a play like what miles Garrett made. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to get the sack and then to get the strip sack and then to pick up the fumble and then the score a touchdown. Yeah. All uh, by so, yourself, damn, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, yeah, since I've never seen that happen, um, I would, I would say it's him and God, man, I wish this team was just world beaters. Um, I would love to see him line up at some point on the offense just to see what he can do because he's <laughs> such a freak of an athlete. Yeah. Uh, but to see him do that defensively yesterday and him to get closer to the 18 number that I think we set the bar at sack wise, I think he's going to get there. Uh, that was one of the most athletic plays I've, I've ever seen a guy make on a, on a defensive yep. line. And he's a freak, man. And he does something new every week that I'm just like, holy shit, that was pretty amazing. So I'm giving it to him. Ends up being a gigantically important score. <laughs> yeah. Too, yeah. Right. Huge. Huge. <laughs> Phil, how about you? What I liked about the defense yesterday, especially against a team like Baltimore, is they were flying all over the place. The, the speed was evident on all three levels and that is key uh, if you're going to compete with the the best teams in the league so i'm going to lean towards a guy that again you know didn't really fill the stat line but chuck brought him up already i thought he set a tone and said it early in denzel ward i never expected that guy to make any hit close to like yeah, what he yeah. did in the, in the yeah. early part of the game uh against uh Devontae freeman i mean he depleted that dude and he, he probably gets outweighed by 100 pounds there, yeah. right and it just set the tone and then sure enough it, it it came right back full circle at the very end of the game that open field tackle at the end of the game on fourth down was huge he, he it yeah. was him or nobody and he yep. ran through that guy and and ended the game for us so i think denzel ward deserves a game ball for his effort all good choices i'm going with clowny uh, because I think his sack on that final drive saved the season. They only needed to go like 20 yards before their stupid kicker could yeah. win the game. That sack put them far enough out that you knew they were going to have to make a big play to get that yardage. That was going to be tough, and it ended up being that they couldn't do it. So I'm, I'm giving it to Clowney. He had a good game all around, but that last sack, I think, saved the season for the Browns, at least for this week on to next week and another must win game uh the raiders come to cleveland from vegas for a saturday afternoon game they have been through a lot this year they've lost two in a row they got beat really badly by the chiefs this past week we all picked the browns to win this game i'm assuming nobody wants to change their mind nope chucky you're thinking about it or you're just getting a drink <laughs> no um, no, yeah, no, I'm not thinking about it. The Ra the uh, Raiders seem to have a nice collapse uh, the last two years towards the end of the year, and I think this year's no different. Boy, I hope so, because I think, again, this is just a game the Browns cannot in any circumstances afford to lose. Knock on wood, the Browns come in on Saturday and, and get a win against the Raiders, and we can keep talking about the Browns as a possible playoff team for at least another week. 
But let's move off of football. Let's talk some basketball, our sip of wine and gold. Cavs wrapped up another successful week after a tough loss to the world champions Monday night. The Cavs ripped off three straight wins, including back-to-back beatdowns of the Timberwolves and the Sacramento Kings. Lori Markinen, seven feet of Finnish prankrisis, which is a <laughs> Finnish meal appropriate for the holidays. It's sautéed reindeer. Ooh, I'd like um, to finish delicious. that meal. <laughs> Uh, in Markkinen's last 10 games, not counting tonight's game, 14 points, four rebounds, and he's shooting 40% from three. He may also need to join the Finnish army at the end of the season. So, Denko, do you have a crush on the finisher? <laughs> this is, well, this is, this will go sideways quickly. Uh, speaking of finishing. <laughs> yes i do i'm in love with some Larry marketing or however you say his name marketing marketing yeah 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 he's uh he's good and uh and hot chuck what do you think about our gigantic really finish forward <laughs> yeah i thought it was uh even before i was assigned the cavaliers this year for the pot i thought it was a really underrated move uh he's very young and that bulls team was pretty young and i thought he was a good piece for that bulls team uh, but i'm much happier to see him in a Cavs uniform uh, a guy uh, at that size who can shoot and 40 percent. i'll take 40 percent all day from three. Oh my gosh yeah uh, i would say my crush rivals phil but i assume i would have sloppy seconds because phil is in love with every player on the yeah Cavs. there's a lot there's, a, there's enough to go around who is it who is it <laughs> yeah. come on <laughs> I would say that I expect that that 14 points a game is, is going to go up this year. I bet you by the end of the year, this guy is like a like a 16 and six type of guy for, for the game. He's, he's playing really well. The next week for the Cavs started off great tonight. As we record on a Monday night, they had a good win against the Heat. Uh, later this week, the Rockets and then the Bucks come back to Cleveland. The Cavs close the week on Sunday night in Atlanta against the Hawks. Now, Chucky. Is this week's game against the Bucks, the defending world champions, the most exciting December rematch you can remember for the Cleveland Cavs? I don't know, man, because I can remember watching Cavs Warriors on Christmas. Yeah, I know uh, that's a, a good years one. ago. Yeah, yeah. And that was that that, that felt like a uh, a game seven of an NBA final. Cause I think the Cavs won that game too. Uh, and Kyrie had a hell of a, I can remember watching at my uncle's house, uh, but I mean, in this time frame, yeah, it, it's really important um, that maybe the Cavs, uh, a team that we, we think is overachieving, but maybe they're not uh, every week. We keep saying, no, this team's for real and they're beating playoff teams. And this is the hardest part of their schedule. And I think after this week it gets a whole lot easier. Uh, so I would like a marquee win and maybe it is against this Bucks team at home. I like it. You think they can do it? I do. Chuck, why yeah. not? Phil, sure. what do you think? I think they're going to get five wins this week. Nope. They can't do that. <laughs> that's how, that's how I'm impressed I am with this team. I'm they're sorry that I had to five... stop and count that for a yeah. second. No, it's all right. yeah. I surprised you with stats. They're getting three wins this week for sure. And I'd love, I'd love, to have one of them be against the Bucks at home. That would be a, not that you need confidence boosters in December in the NBA season, but for this young team to go out there on your home court and, and yeah, it was a, it was a good game against the Bucks last time. Um, yep. And maybe you take one that's, I think that probably goes further in terms of just confidence and that kind of thing in the locker room than we really understand. I think getting a win against defending world champions for this team, the way the season has gone so far, would be huge. I'm fired up. I'm excited to to watch that game and to, and to hope that they can they can take one there. I do think what we see week in and week out is this team is better than we expected they were going to be, and they keep getting better 
as the season is moving forward. And that's really exciting. But with that, fellas, close out our first segment, take our first break, come back, head out on the road. Unprofessional and Unprepared is brought to you by Blame Branch, Ancestry.com's latest advance in family research. Ancestry.com has been helping people find their ancestors and trace their family lineage for more than 20 years. Now, the company that helps you find all those ancestors is ready to help you blame those ancestors. Is your height something south of average? Losing your hair? Small hands? With Blame Branch, you can now utilize the power of Ancestry.com to identify the fop doodle in your family tree who passed these unfortunate genes on to you. Never been good at sports? Are you a mouth breather? Your ears are so big you can hear the sun come up in the morning? Don't you think it's time to find out if your great Aunt Mavis is the asshole responsible? Maybe you're 44. Just found out that despite 25 years of consistent exercise and healthy habits, you have high blood pressure and elevated cholesterol. That is 100% not your fault, and you deserve to know which slap ass in your genealogy is responsible. Just send a quick swab of the roof of your mouth to Blame Branch, and we will help you decide if the next time you see Great Grandpa, he deserves a hug or a punch in the stomach. Blame Branch. They may be family, but it doesn't mean it's not their fault. Welcome back, fellows, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road, and let's start in the NFL, and let's talk AFC wildcard. As we stand at the end of the games this weekend, the Chargers are the first wildcard team. They're eight and five. Everybody else is seven and six. The Colts, the Bills, the Browns, the Bengals, and the Broncos. So probably too early to pick who are going to be the wildcard teams. Of those seven and six teams, who are the pretenders? Who are the two teams of those seven and six teams that are not going to make the playoffs? Broncos are one. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Would you like me to come back to you? <laughs> no, no. I just don't want to utter the Browns as an answer, but um, so I'll let my heart play into this a little bit. I'll say the Broncos are a pretender and the Colts are the other pretender. Although they're like, yeah, man, they're playing yeah. better of late. I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Broncos and the Colts are the two Colts last four games, Patriots, Cardinals, Raiders, Jags. No, they're winning the last two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Chucky, what do you think? Colts, Bills, Browns, Bengals, Broncos. Two of those teams don't belong in the race for the wild card. Who are they? I think we can agree on the Broncos. Maybe it's the Bengals. It's a weird spot, right? Because the Bengals remind me of the Browns last year, a team that nobody expected them to do what they were doing. They're they're talented enough offensively to, to beat anybody, but they're young. So maybe who's left on their schedule? Their next four games are the Broncos, the Ravens, the Chiefs, oh. and the Browns. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, that's <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's not an easy <laughs> out for them. You're hoping a young team with no playoff experience somewhat crashes. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I'll go Broncos Bengals just because, again, you know, I'm, I'm thinking with my heart here and not wanting to eliminate the Browns yet. I really struggled not to put the Browns into this, but, um, <laughs> but I didn't. I went with the, the Broncos and the Bengals. The Broncos, I just I was shocked to find out they were seven and six. Like, how is that possible with Teddy Bridgewater as their quarterback? I just can't see them making a playoff run. And the Bengals have been up and down all season. 
and they've they've still got some really hard games to play before the end of the year. So I, I took the two of them out as well. And you know, knock on wood, the Browns can win the games they need to win and keep this thing going. NFC side, it's a little bit uglier. The first seed <laughs> for the wild card right now is the Rams at eight and four. They're putting it on the Cardinals right now, so they look like they're in a pretty good spot. The 49ers are next at seven and six, and then it's ugly. Washington, Minnesota, Philadelphia, Atlanta, and New Orleans are all six and seven. <laughs> Is a team with a losing Jeez, record oh, making man. it into the playoffs in the NFC? Again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess it's it's possible. So can you list those teams one more time? So at, uh, six, at and six and seven. Teams? So with there's yeah. one wild card spot still up for grabs, and it's the Washington football team, the Minnesota Vikings, oh, Philadelphia Eagles, Atlanta Falcons, and New Orleans Saints. All at six and seven. Out of the all, yeah, out of those teams, (laughs) yeah, out of out of those teams, I believe last week you may have said the Eagles have a pretty easy easier schedule. It's possible there. I thought the Saints were questionable, but then yesterday they looked really good. When you have Alvin Kamara, you're going to be pretty good. Yeah, Uh, and even their quarterback, tight end, running back played pretty well yesterday. I guess so. It's it's definitely not uh, any of those other teams. Damn. Maybe it's the Eagles there just because their their strength of schedule here on out looks okay. I think. You think they'll have a winning but, record or a losing record? I think they're going to have a winning record only because no team should ever make the playoffs if you're under 500. That's ridiculous. <laughs> they should move one of the AFC teams to the NFC wild card. How about the Browns? That's the How case. about the Browns? Yes, there we go. Yeah, that'd be fine. Yeah, great. So all those teams are six and seven. And for them to end the season with a winning record, they have to go three and one to finish the season, right? Yes. Man, you are a math whiz. Right? Yeah. (laughs) I I am going to say that final wild card spot in the NFC does go to a losing record, and they're going to go in there at eight and nine, and it's going to be either the Vikings or the Eagles at eight and nine. Oh, I like that. I agree. There's going to be a losing record. I think it's probably going to be the Eagles who get in. If it's not them, I don't know if that New Orleans team can make it happen. Maybe they're for real, at least real enough to be a losing team that makes the playoffs. I don't know how real that is, but um, maybe that's possible. I don't know, but that, that, that would be my pick. I think it would be the Eagles getting in with a losing record. And it's a shame that the AFC can't move a team over. But Chuck, I like the way you're thinking. I want you to hold that thought for later uh-huh. in the show. All right. Finally, after waiting a year, we made it. We are on the cusp college football bowl season and good news, fellas, for the first time ever, we are going to have a UAU college bowl pick them contest. Nice. So each week I'm going to pick some bowl games. We're going to pick winners and we'll keep track all the way up through the championship and we'll see who wins (laughs) the bowl games this year. will start on Friday, December 17th. And where Holy else? Shit. The Bahamas. Oh, what? Yeah. Is that this Friday? That's this yeah, Friday. This yeah. Friday coming up. <laughs> the Bahamas Bowl is the first bowl game of the season between the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders and the Toledo Rockets. Uh, it will oh. be played at noon Eastern on Friday in Nassau, Bahamas. Did you know after six very successful games, the Bahamas Bowl is solidified as the longest running international college football bowl game in history? According to its own website, (laughs) middle Tennessee was six and six on the season. Toledo is seven and five. Phil, who's winning? 
I have a question real quick. Is it the only international bowl game? I believe so. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Making sure. <laughs> All right. I'm going with the uh, Toledo Rockets because I love me some action. All right, Chucky, who you got? I'm with Phil. You got to stay close to, to home where we grew up. So let's go Rockets. And I've been to the Bahamas. I didn't know they had a stadium anywhere that could house a it, football game. It seats uh, like 15,000 people. The entire country. Well, well, I'm sure there'll still be. Are there still 14,000 seats available as of today? So I'm still going to stick with. Hey, this could be a how about a pot, a road podcast for this bowl game? Oh, I like this. Nice. Idea. And it, that ain't in the budget, fellas. <laughs> so I'm going with uh, Middle Tennessee. Uh, Miller went with Toledo. Burke went with Toledo. And our guest picker for the contest is Tammy. She went with Toledo as well. Oh, next one. The late game on Friday is the Cure Bowl, which I thought for sure would be something about COVID, but it's not. This one is to help research for cancer treatments. Nine and four Northern Illinois Huskies take on the 10 and two Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. So a Chanticleer is a rooster from Chaucer's Canterbury Tales, where Chaucer described it as, for crowing, there was not his equal in all the land. His voice was merrier than the merry organ that plays in church, and his crowing from his resting place was more trustworthy than a clock. That's from the nun's priest's tale. Phil, who you got? The dog that races the Iditarod or the best singing rooster? Man, I'm going to go with little Yeti Seinfeld in this game and go with the rooster to come out on top as much as I hate your description. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It brings me back to like Mrs. Wayne, this is English yeah, class. exactly. <laughs> Chuck, how about you? What is Coastal Carolina's record? 10 and 2. 10 and 2. I think I'm going to stick with them. I'm pretty sure that at some point in my college baseball career, we played Coastal Carolina and it was really apparent we should not have been playing Coastal <laughs> Carolina. Um, so I'm assuming they uh, will handle business at the Cure Bowl. Like Friday, I'm in love with the Cure. Like even oh, before nice. email happened. That's going uh, on the list. Stick with, <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm going to stick with uh, Coastal Carolina. Uh, almost a clean sweep for Coastal Carolina. Miller, Burke, and Tammy all had Coastal Carolina as well. I'm going with Northern Illinois because my best friend in Vegas was a guy named Jeff Steffen, and that's where he went to school. So let's go Huskies. Next up on Saturday, the late afternoon game is the Independence Bowl in Louisiana's third best city, the city of Shreveport. Did you know the Independence Bowl was one of the first bowl games to add a sponsor? Since they did that in the early 90s, it has been known as the Poulan Weed Eater Independence Bowl the Advocare V100 Independence Bowl, the Duck Commander Independence Bowl, the Walk-Ons Independence Bowl, and the current sponsor, Radiance Technology Independence Bowl. And I don't really have any idea what Radiance Technology does, but on their website, it appears they are working on an experimental mobile high-energy laser. Whoa. Not a bad sponsor Whoa. to get, right? <laughs> this year's Independence Bowl pits the University of Alabama Birmingham Blazers ranked 78th nationally against the BYU Cougars ranked 12th Phil <laughs> now the Blazers are dragons right it's not like a suit coat it's a dragon it is. Yeah, yeah yeah it'd be better so, if it was a suit coat though uh, wouldn't it wouldn't it especially <laughs> yeah. against BYU but but I'm gonna go with the Blazers because I think the boys from BYU are gonna be intimidated by the deep south all right fair enough Chuck <laughs> Hey, you had the a buddy that went to Northern Illinois. I ever 
<laughs> the only Independence Bowl I ever remember is the one we played on July 4th, usually in high school. And that was probably a far better game than this one's going to be. Uh, uh, it's a slap in the face to BYU to be playing this early in the bowl season if they're 12th in the country. So I assume uh, unless the Mormons are, what do they have to do every year or before they graduate? Don't they have to go on to go like on a mission, mission or something? Yep. So unless 80% of their on starters <laughs> are on mission, uh, I am taking the bring Young, what are they? What the Cougars. Are, what Cougars. I, I bet zero yeah. percent of the University oh. of Alabama Birmingham are on a mission for this game, so I'm sticking with that pick. Yeah. <laughs> well, Phil, you're the only one. Even All Tammy right. knew to pick BYU in this one. All right. All right. Last one for our challenge. Saturday's late game is the Lending Tree Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. This year, it's Eastern Michigan against Liberty University. And did you know? Eastern Michigan's most famous alum, Brogan Roback, former Cleveland Browns quarterback, and according to his LinkedIn, current sales rep for Paycom in Ypsilanti, Michigan. Hey, is that close to you? I don't know. Ypsilanti, just down the road? <laughs> or, or now some people might go with George Gervin instead. Liberty University's most famous alum, Sid fucking Bream. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. Chucky Eastern Michigan against Liberty. Who's winning too close for home. Well, I have a connection, not only to Sid yeah. Bream as he attended my wedding, but <laughs> oh, name uh, dropper. Yeah. Well, uh, it's not done there. My uh, sister-in-law <laughs> went to Liberty university uh, and was promptly kicked out. Um, Whitney, <laughs> My wife and her younger brother, Josh, all of them arrested at Liberty University. Uh, they have a strict no alcohol policy there uh, and they all got caught boozing. So they all got uh, they got arrested or maybe arrested, but um, Mace got kicked out of Liberty. And I had a friend from work who, who went there as well. So uh, I am going to stick with Liberty. Um, I'm Yeah, I have a, have a in-law connection there. And once you get arrested somewhere, you got to root for them, right? So go Liberty. All right, go Redhawks. I'm using all that, Chuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. You should, as you should. <laughs> all right. Phil, well, how about you? As you mentioned, George the Iceman Gervin might be the most famous alumni from Eastern Michigan, but there's only one Iceman as far as we're oh, concerned. So oh, fuck man. that guy. <laughs> However, yeah. my ice man, <laughs> I think our, our ice man might actually um, agree with me in that the, the most famous alumni from Eastern Michigan is Earl Boinkins because our ice man could not cover that dude for <laughs> shit, <That's true. laughs> but who could really, right? Uh, yeah. So I'm going to go with Eastern Michigan, man. I think with uh, George uh, Gervin, Earl Boinkins, and that other guy selling some stuff, uh, we're ready to roll. And nobody's right. really too sober. Almost a straight shot again. Uh, Chucky is the only one who goes with Liberty. Everybody else had hey. Eastern Michigan. But we will keep track of that heading into uh, the rest of the bowl games. And we'll come up with some fantastic prize for whoever wins. Unless it's not me. Um, and then we'll come up with some sort of a crappy prize for whoever wins. But we're going to close out this segment on that note, fellas. We'll take our final break. We'll come back. We'll head off the field. Unprofessional and Unprepared is brought to you by this proud sponsor. It's that time of year again, that time when so many suffer the embarrassment, sadness, and insecurity that come from busted March Madness brackets. Are you sick of settling for the middle of the pack, or even worse, living in the cellar of your bracket pool? Tired of the jokes, finger-pointing, 
and general humiliation in front of your friends, coworkers, and sometimes even family members who have probably never watched a college basketball game ready to get your mojo back? Then it's time for ChampionsGuaranteed.com. Here at Champions Guaranteed, we want to make your March Madness exciting and rewarding. Just sign up and submit a bracket for a small fee, and you will automatically be entered into one of our bracket pools and guaranteed to win. All our pools have brackets specially chosen by our designated loser and expert mush, Jason Gerber. Gerber has spent decades watching college basketball and has been filling out brackets since he was a teenager in pools with co-workers, friends, and even his wife and kids. Despite the overwhelming odds, Gerber has somehow found a way to never once win a tournament pool. Results from Champions Guaranteed are not luck, and you can play with the confidence that our systems have a tried-and-true method and an unbroken track record of futility. So bust out of the March Madness sadness and get ready to show everyone you know what a bracket champion looks like. When you bet against Gerber, you win. Sign up at championsguaranteed.com today. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We'll head off the field. And I don't know if you guys have had a chance to see it yet, but Get Back is a documentary on Disney Plus about the Beatles. It concerns their 1969 sessions when they were preparing for what would end up being their very last live show. So has anybody else watched any of the three-part, like, nine-and-a-half-hour Get Back documentary? That, that has been the barrier. Like, I have yeah. it in my queue. <laughs> yeah. on, I, I'm like, I'm ready to watch yeah. this. And when I when I look at the time, I'm like, why is each episode three-and-a-half hours long? It's a lot of shit to cover. Chuck, have you seen it? Why not make it nine episodes? <laughs> Uh, yeah, the only thing uh, I saw was um, the clip of Paul McCartney putting together Get Back with Ringo and George sitting across from him, and that was enthralling. Uh, so I would love to watch it, but I don't know if I have nine and a half hours, and I have yet to watch the Rick Rubin, Paul McCartney. Oh, man, so I you're feel way like behind. I have to do that first. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy to commit. I have watched the first episode only. My wife was out of town this weekend, so I had hours of the day to commit uh, to watching it. It's incredible. And Chuck, you are leading me right into what I want to talk about. We've talked about the Beatles already when we talked about the McCartney Rick Rubin documentary on Hulu. So I don't necessarily think I want to go back and like rehash a stat line for the Beatles. Uh, I think it's safe to say that whatever accolades are showered on the Beatles are well-deserved and, and well-earned. I want to talk about genius because that's what I think I was watching in the first episode of this documentary. And the first thing that caught my eye when I was watching it in that vein is exactly what you're just talking about, Chuck. This is just a hours and hours and hours of footage in like the two and a half weeks leading up to this rooftop concert where they're basically writing the album that they want to play. And there is just a random morning in the first week where John Lennon is late for rehearsal. Like he doesn't show up on time. The cameras are just rolling and McCartney is like strumming on a guitar and mumbling, 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 mumbling. And then all of a sudden you hear it and he's writing the song, get back a few hours later in that episode, <laughs> McCartney is sitting at the piano and Lennon is at the mic with a guitar and they're bouncing back and forth. And well, how about this? What about this? What about this? And what you are watching is them work out the arrangement for let it be. And, and it's insane to me that you're just sitting here watching these guys as they figure out how they want what 
inarguably is one of the top 10 pop songs of all time, if not the best, you know, I mean, I'm sure you can make a case for let it be as the best song, but you get to watch these guys work through this process. And it's interesting because you can see them talking about some of these songs that, you know, and offering up some really bad choices for the songs. Like they wanted to sing one of them, like Elvin and the chipmunks or something like that. Like, well, that would have been, that would have been a bad choice, John, Paul, George, and Ringo. (laughs) But eventually they get to making on this album, some of, some of their best work. And it's really cool to watch it happen. And all I could think about was like, man, what, what makes these people who are geniuses tick? How is it that someone is a genius or how, you know, what makes them that like, how does this happen where you can't really describe it, but you know it when you see it, when I mean it, it's that, that genius, whatever that it thing is, and it doesn't have to be music. In, in my opinion, it can be anything. What hits on something that makes somebody a genius. Phil, start us off. Well, I think you, you, you touched on it. It's, it's the eyeball test is what you were getting at, right? Like you, th- there might not be a, a, a clear, definition or set of objective measures that say, all right, you check these boxes and you get genius level. It's wow. I'm watching this artist paint, or I'm watching this artist compose music, or I'm watching this actor or whatever it might be. And you think, all right, they just have this extra something and we're going to call it genius is the term we're going to use for it. So that that's difficult to quantify. I think like what, what makes someone genius in, in hindsight, it's easier. You know, you, you look at some, like you just mentioned, like, all right, what let it be became like, okay, these are genius musicians. But while you're, what we're allowed to look at now with Peter Jackson's documentary is the process. And that's when you identify, wow, there's something here. This person's a genius. And I'm sure that can be said about a lot of musicians. If we were given that peek behind the curtain, so to speak, and maybe we will be, uh, and who, who saw this coming, Th- this footage was out there and they put yeah. it together. So yeah, I, I think it's really hard to just come up with a clear cut definition of genius. It is something like, all right, this is a, this is a look and touch and feel kind of thing. Chuck, what do you think? It's, it's hard to quantify but watching, uh, I realize just how far off I am because watching that clip when he's coming up with Get Back, I would have assumed that any songwriter, genius or not, is lyrics first. He was melody. He yep, was yeah. just doing the melody in gibberish. And then all of a sudden the gibberish turns into one or two words and then the hook comes and then, you know, like Ringo gets a bad rap. Ringo was right there on the hook singing, get back in that. Yeah, this guy gets it. You know, like, yeah, this guy gets it. Just watching that clipping. I guess you can apply it to any any job or any any art form that they see something in a different way than than normal human beings see it, where it's already there. There's something already working in their head. Most of these people, they're they're playing chess and we're playing checkers most of the time (laughs) to see how somebody's brain works. It to me is the only way you can identify what genius really is. Like you can see a painting and go, my God, that's beautiful. Or you can watch a cinematographer shoot something and go, I would have never saw it from that perspective. And they see it that way. But what Phil said is right. Like when you see that process start to come out, that's where you identify it, where it's something that comes so easy to somebody that is so hard for everyone else. And that could be math for all I, you know, like it could be. Sure. Of course. Um, Yeah. Like, like you're saying now, there's usually a camera everywhere. So hopefully we're seeing more of that. But when you see the process and just how 
easy stuff comes to these people, whatever their field is, if they are at a higher level uh, than I am at any of it, uh, that's what I see as genius. Something that I can't do or comes so hard to me that comes so easy to somebody else. Yeah, it's like that piano playing kid we talked about in an opening question at some point months <laughs> that ago. Kid, man. That kid, man. So I agree with you 100% that the, the genius can be expressed in anything. I, I think LeBron James is a genius on the basketball court. Yeah. I, I think Michael was too. Magic was. Isn't Nolan Ryan like a pitching genius yes, was yeah. pedro like a pitching genius was was manny ramirez like a hitting genius it can be in any field but it's like man how do these people get there and i like what chuck i like what you're saying chuck because it was a few of the things that the characteristics that i tried to think of that man how does this work and one of them was just the ability to view the world differently than everybody else i think that is so much of your great writers songwriters, comedians, Dave Chappelle, right? Absolute genius at what he does in large part because he just has a different perspective than we do. You know, I thought about, I thought, man, there's a certain amount of like lack of fear. At some point, LeBron James is this amazingly clutch basketball player with a billion eyeballs on him in game seven of the finals for the Cavs in 2016 and doesn't shrink from the moment not afraid to believe that he deserved and was entitled and was good enough to be there. Now, I don't know if LeBron's not LeBron, if he's my height and my current build, or even my build when my build was better, <laughs> um, you know, so there's, there's something more than that. There's a, there's a physical aspect to what he does. There's certainly this, a, um, a talent aspect to it. There's no fear. There's no insecurity in I'm going to try to start writing this song and see what happens. I know we can't quantify it. It is that undeniable it that we don't know what it is, but we know when we see it, but there, there must be characteristics that support that thing, right? Sure. Yeah. I think um, you hit on one big one right there is how many individuals, regardless of, of field may have been on that path, but would shrink due to fear, fear of failure, right? Fear of whatever Fear of success. Uh, uh, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Be it athletes, musicians, writers, you know, how many writers in, in, in the course of time was like, all right, this is not going to be popular, but I'm going to write this because this is what I envision. And this is how I feel. And it becomes one of the greatest works of literature of all time. Chaucer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Him and his, him and his awesome rooster. <laughs> yeah, that dude had no fear just I like want, little yeti seinfeld <laughs> i want those months of britlet back in God. my life <laughs> that's interesting like that there's series of of biography like the iconoclast type thing right like it, it's what separates these people from all the other people in their field it is something or a combination of things be it the lack of fear the just the ability to step back and view the world in a completely different way than their contemporaries and act on it and that's easy to say and that's that doesn't happen that often that's for sure i think that's why the geniuses in whatever space they're in are geniuses i mean jeff bezos right I yeah. think whatever you want to think about Amazon at this point, but man, that dude had an idea like 25 years ago that was so forward thinking that none of us could see it coming. That's amazing. 
I don't know, Chucky, what do you think, man? If you if it was a characteristic you had to put your finger on and say, hey, man, this is something I don't care what field you're in, but to be at the absolute top, to be a game changer in math, playwriting, wrestling, movie making, basketball, music, thumb wrestling, whatever it is, <laughs> well, what is what is that? Wrestler. You know, that um, you know, somewhere there's the somewhere there's a genius who right. figured out the best way to thumb yeah. wrestle. Or to, or to win tic-tac-toe every time, you know, something like that. Yeah. You would think even if you look at it from a sports aspect that it's some sort of physical trait, but I don't buy that. I'm trying to think if I've been exposed to any genius in any field. Oh, my God, Chuck, in you are one step ahead of me constantly. Earth. <laughs> Maybe that's my genius is being ahead of it me. It is, that's yeah. The, <laughs> the genius. Um, you know, yeah. You, you want to think it's something physical, but it just isn't. That's why it's so hard for me to grasp, because I, I think there's things I excel at. So that's the baseline. Like, am I a genius in anything? No, no, I'm not. It's like, I'm pretty good at some things. I, I excel yeah. at other things. I'm really great at some stuff. But overall, uh, we're surrounded in our lives by average. And that's not bad. You know, like most of your family is pretty average. Somebody's better at something than someone else. And you love them for them, all that stuff. But uh, <laughs> there's just nobody. That, your like, cousin is below that, average. Just, the kids <laughs> that killed Christmas, below yeah. average. True. Ah, yeah, above average. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, it, it's so hard. I, I think it's my pea-sized brain. Like we're saying the word quantify. How do you quantify somebody's genius? I don't know because I'm not on their level. Uh, again, the only thing that I ever see that seems to be a common factor is that it just comes easier no matter yeah. what field it is. Uh, it just whether it's sports or it's architecture or it's whatever it is, it's just something that they didn't have to work nearly as hard to excel at it. Uh, as like, like an, uh, like a Johnny sheet metal had to, you know, like it just not, I'm not saying genius doesn't work hard because typically they probably work way harder than all of us. We just don't see it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. they probably have uh, an obsessive compulsive personality. Yeah, that screw loose, see. man. Uh, yeah. Maybe, yeah, and maybe that's yeah, one of the characteristics, man, is that right. you have, yeah. there's something, yeah. something missing that doesn't allow you to accept being average. Sure. I find average yeah. to be yeah. very satisfying. Right. <laughs> Yeah. There's a drive sometimes because sometimes genius is, is way simpler than anybody else can. To me, sometimes that's genius that you think of some invention that's come along that everybody goes, oh, I should have thought of that. Well, yeah. you fucking didn't. Some genius did. I don't care if it's a ShamWow or Stop a getting so pissed about it, Chuck. commercial bullshit. <laughs> I'm not mad about it. I'm just, and it's hard. It's hard because the easiest way to look at it is either sports or art, whether that's music, movie, or painting, whatever it is. But there, there's genius that happens every day that that seems so sublime to most people or so blase. And it's whoever invented the George Foreman grill is a genius. And I quantify it that way because that guy is richer than anybody walking the planet at this point. And you just don't know it. You know, you just don't know it. <laughs> so Chucky was leading into my, my last question on this topic, Phil, I'll throw it to you in your professional life. Do you think you have worked with worked for come across a genius in your field? Yes, absolutely. He was an instructor in my schooling, in my grad school. He's currently a director of a, of a physical therapy school. He embodies everything you guys just said, everything we just talked about. This guy just understood everything about the human body and mechanically, like how things would work from a physiological to uh, he, he was the smartest man in the room, whether we were in a room with a bunch of 
physicians or, or fellow therapists or whatever, he went through school and was hired on his graduation day to be a professor. Like he was like the Doogie Hauser level. Yeah. He is by far the smartest person I've ever met in my field of, of physical therapy, of, of physiology, of, of anatomy, of those kind of things, uh, orthopedics. He is by far the, the most intelligent person. And yet somehow, some way holds himself in this level of like, I don't know if you call it humility or he's just humble about it. And he was, he was my orthopedic instructor when I was in grad school. So I didn't know it at the time, but I look back at him like, I am, I am so lucky to have been instructed by that individual, because if I picked up 1% of what that yeah. guy knows, I'm doing something right in, in, in my career, he sticks out. Like that's a guy that I'm not the only one that feels this way. I mean, he's written like textbooks and stuff <laughs> and, and he's, <laughs> he's, he's fairly young, but, but what impressed me most was that genius level intellect combined with like a down to earth personality and a, and a humility or humanity that allowed him to, I guess, better express his knowledge to people he's trying to ex instruct. Cause we've all run into that person, right? That genius. they like, oh, I yeah. don't, I can't even, I, I don't know how to communicate with this person. So that's the one person that comes to mind for sure. Chucky, how about you? It's rough for me because I've been exposed at least on the, the music side in radio to programmers or consultants and all these guys who were just really great at their job. But then I've also been backstage or on stage at concerts where I've interacted with all genre of music, country, rock, CHR. So was there genius? I don't know. I mean, I think if I have to quantify it, it's fame, right? And I'm trying to think who's the most well-known person I spent time with. I didn't see his genius actually come out there, but you know, like I spent time with BB King and most people oh, would say wow. like, yeah. he's one of the yeah, top five absolutely. greatest absolutely guitar players genius. of all yeah. time. Yeah. Right. Yes. But, but I didn't see it. Right. Like, did I you mention the show to him? Really? <laughs> well, is he well, a friend of the, well, the show? Didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> the show didn't exist. And he died before the show started. Ah. So, uh, unless we're, Man, unless we're having a seance. <laughs> no, I'm trying to think like, who's the most famous person I sat there with? It might be him. Uh, yeah, that's a, I think that's work. a really good one. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Like, um, so, you know, he's the genius for what he did artistically. But did he display that to me? No, he was just a really nice man who gave you a pin that said BB King. Like, I'm, I'm going to keep the pin or put it on my lapel or something. Uh, he might be the closest thing I actually got with, you know, like interacted yeah. with that, yeah. that people would consider a genius. But no, I don't I think in my day to day, <laughs> there right. isn't anybody who I've right. worked with, you know, like there's yeah. been really funny people are really good at their job, but nothing that I was like, like Phil saying, like, you know, you're in the company of greatness or somebody who's yeah. so much better at what you do in your field. I don't, I don't think I've experienced that just yet, man. I think you guys are both lucky. I think, you know, that, that Phil knows that he's been around someone and, and Chuck, I think that you're, you're selling yourself a little bit short. You interacted with dudes, yeah. probably lots yeah. who were, but BB King is a big one. I don't think I ever have. I, I've worked for and with Really, really good attorneys. I've worked with some people. I go back to my time in the army who were really naturally gifted trial attorneys, but I've never been around somebody who just like blew my mind where I said, this is the best legal mind I've ever seen operate. This is something special. This is something different. This person is changing the game. I've, I've never even, I've never even come close to it. I've been around a, a lot of really above average attorneys, but never, never anybody who is a genius. 
Um, I would love to see it. I'd be interested to see how that brain works, but it it has not been something that comes into my professional life. And I think that's probably normal. I think most people go through life without rubbing elbows with or working with somebody who's a like a legit genius. That idea of trying to put a finger on like what makes it happen, what makes it special is um, I think is kind of fun to talk about and try to figure out. And this documentary is incredible because it is so much downtime with it. Just these dudes kind of working on their shit and something I think really special between Paul McCartney and John Lennon. You just see those guys like working together. There was a very, very powerful bond between those guys when they were making music together. Not unlike the bond between the three of us when we make a podcast together or when Tom (laughs) shows up or Miller shows up, you know, we can include them too. But moving away from genius and things that impress us to things that are way below average, let's talk about the worst fantasy league ever. Our final week of the regular season, Chuck. You're not mad. You're just disappointed. Travis Kelsey, because he has been a uh, anchor for the Taylor Swifts, even before they were the Taylor Swifts. Uh, And this week, putting up like under 10 points uh, against a favorable matchup for tight ends because I started him on my DraftKings lineup and he didn't work out for me there either. I am disappointed in him. Phil, how about you? I'm a bit conflicted here because I'm disappointed in my starting quarterback, who is Lamar Jackson. Oh, um, all right. Yeah. He amassed me all of one, one, Man, point, one, eight points, <laughs> one point, one, eight points. But as a Browns fan, the fact that he got removed early in the game, I think was uh, important for us. So I'm a bit conflicted, but I'm, I'm disappointed for uh, my fantasy team. All right. I'm going to go with James Robinson running back for the Jags because he had 0.4 points. <laughs> Not even a full point from that guy. How do you get point four? <laughs> uh, I think you get. He caught a ball, but lost eight yards. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, don't right, know. Right. I, I didn't get a chance to talk to him in the locker room um, because I cut him <laughs> on my way you, back you're to cut. my office. You're cut. <laughs> Danko, your orange slices. Orange slices this week, or it's going to the uh, George Kittle finally. Uh, yeah, this guy's been huge game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this guy's been uh, my disappointment all all season, and he he racked up thirty nine points, and then did his post game presser in in yellow tinted sunglasses. Oh, that's nice. I didn't <laughs> <Yeah>. see that. <laughs> Chuck, how about you? Who's getting extra orange slices? Uh, for the second half of the season, it's usually been Joe Mixon, but it's another bangle. It's Jamar Chase. He put up the most points for me this yeah. week, and I, I didn't watch even. I, I spent a little time on that game, but not enough to even know he had a good game. So thanks. The Bengals have come through for me uh, this year. I'm going to go with Alvin Kamara. He is back. He had 29.5 points or 29.1 points more than James Robinson had for me <laughs> playing the same position. So Alvin Kamara, not cut. James Robinson cut. I believe as we close the regular season in the worst fantasy league ever that I've earned my title as commissioner of the worst fantasy league ever. Chuck, I think I was wrong last week when I told you that you would make the playoffs for sure, because it was going to be the top three teams in each division. It looks like what ESPN does is just the top six total. We are at the end of the week. Now the Monday night football game has ended, but I just checked ESPN.com while you guys were talking. And they have not updated yet. So I should finish eight and six 
Miller will finish seven and seven. Denko and Chuck, you're both going to finish six and eight. One of you is going to be on the outside looking in, and I feel pretty confident that it's going to be Chuck. But based on the fact that I didn't know the rules fully last week, I really can't say for sure. So we're going to do shit talk playoff edition. First, one of you will play Joe in the opening round of the loser's bracket. Go ahead and talk shit. (laughs) Phil, you go first. Well, if I happen to fall out of the actual playoffs and play Joe in the first and what I have to imagine is the only round of the non-playoff team, <laughs> losers bracket, I, I, I think I can go for the clean sweep and beat him three times this uh, year because I think I think he stopped paying attention after um, the Week World three? Series ended. <laughs> when the World <laughs> Series ended, Joe stopped three? playing fantasy football. <laughs> yeah. Chuck, you might play Joe in the opening round of the losers bracket. <laughs> Talk some shit. What did him? Embarrassment, Jesus, to uh, our guy. My control no, of the league. Me. Which embarrassment uh, are you talking about? <laughs> no, I am me. My embarrassment. So, so out of uh, the group of, of friends uh, that I'm blessed to have from high school, Joe was the first one I met. Uh, we were roommates at football camp at St. Bonaventure. But man, uh, to a guy who I don't think ever even logged in, and I'm over here deep in the season checking the waiver wire and picking up and <laughs> dropping players and i might play him in the losers <laughs> brackets i am fucked. go joe or go phil or somebody yeah. who actually uh. give a shit and has a chance i deserve none of it all right so one of you will play burke in the first round of the playoffs so chuck go ahead if you play burke Damn talk it. some shit <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's not hard uh, to a guy who's ducked me over the last six to eight to 12 months on this podcast. We can never be on together for some reason. And I don't get it. We were freshman roommates. We've loved each other for years and we're COVID brothers. Me and uh, sorry, HIPAA, me and Burke are COVID. That's not, it's not his <laughs> point. That's not a um, violation. Thank you. And I signed a waiver. You guys uh, yeah. are fine. <laughs> fine. <laughs> Wonderful. But again, I'm playing in the shittiest of brackets when you lied to my face last week. So uh, ultimately at this point, um, if I lose to Joey, cool. If I lose to Tommy, I take it more personally only because he's been such a cunt uh, to duck me (laughs) over the past six months on this podcast. I appreciate you throwing the first cunt in in the last two minutes of the show. Uh, Denko, you might play Burke in the first round. What do you have to say? Burke is the only reason I'm in this predicament to begin with, because he started like eight guys that were also out with COVID this week and, and lost to Miller by 150 points. Otherwise, I think well, I'd be right Miller there. also scored like 200 something. So, it, you know, he had a pretty yeah. good week no matter what. He did. He did. But but I'm talking trash to Burke right now. OK, sorry. You're right. <laughs> not, not Fair point. Miller. Fair point. <laughs> if I play Burke in the first round of the real playoffs, I feel like at this point, he's going to be like Miles Garrett last season, where at the end of the season, he just wasn't quite right yet after coming off of the uh, the, the COVID-19. He's going to be a little winded going into the next few weeks, and uh, I'm going to take full advantage of that and and make sure that my team just laps him because we're, we're conditioned and healthy. No matter what happens with you two losers, um, I'm going to play Miller in the first round. Um, I've never known anyone else except for Miller who for at least a small portion of their life looked a lot like Lorenzo Lamo and it's certainly been all downhill from there I think I can take advantage of that decline Miller is going down boys we're out of time I am out of questions for now and 
We just did the whole show without mentioning that those filthy beggars running from port to port from the Naval Academy put it on the honorable cadets from West Point on Saturday, 17 to 13. Go Army, beat Navy. I hope you guys have a great week. Let's get together and do this again real soon. Yeah. Yes, sir. No, if maybe go to David Steelers. Again. Maybe they play the Steelers again too. Well, they just I'll lost right now. Uh, they just my supercomputer. <laughs> <laughs> I dropped it. Um, Vafangul. Let's just move on. Chuck, what do you think the most important thing the defense did during that game was? It's a terrible question. Seems like what was the uh, most important uh, thing the defense yeah, did, Chuck? Okay. <laughs> this might not make for great podcasting because I'm going to fill in the spreadsheet as we're going so I don't forget <laughs> what the picks are. <laughs> Good job, oh, guys. That was fun. They stole the wrong goat this year. Do you see that? Yeah. No, yeah. no, I didn't see yeah, that. They stole the wrong one. They stole some poor goat that was like the goat from like six years ago and this thing was like blind. Oh, no. it, yeah, but they were t- everything was fine. Yeah, everything was yeah. fine. Anytime you get into a fender bender rear end or whatever it is, like I like to take a minute to do an all systems check. Yeah, <laughs> see, yeah. see what's wrong. Like, see what's wrong with me. And I immediately, like my neck, my head, I'm like, okay, the guy who hit me does not get out of the car. So I, I get out of the car hot, and I'm like, I get out. That guy gets out, and I'm like, what the hell, man? And he's wearing a tuxedo. Okay. <laughs> so why he's wearing a tuxedo? I'm just like, you're in a tuxedo. And that immediately kind of called me like, okay, whatever. Um, and I said, Hey, you know, he's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, well, do you have insurance? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, of course I have insurance. And I was like, great. He's like, but I don't really see any damage. I said, it's pitch black out here, man. Uh, yeah. And that doesn't really matter to me. So do me a favor, go grab your insurance card. I'll take a photo of it. And you can leave. So sure. I and like, I have to go get my phone out of my car because it flew out of my hand and I go, I'm like five feet away from my door. I lean down, I grab it. By the time I stand back up, like a scene out of a movie, all I hear are screeching tires oh, this dude threw it in reverse, throws it in reverse. And I'm like, I'm seeing smoke coming off the tires. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> he uh, goes as far as he can, jumps the medium. Oh, and I'm cool. like, oh, I, I, I better call the police. Uh, so <laughs> I call the cops and I have to move now because I'm blocking traffic. And 
I pull out onto the main road and there's another exit of the mall. And that's where I see him. He's going like 80 miles an hour through the intersection. And I'm just like, Hey, there he goes. And I tell him where he's going and they send a police officer. It took a police report. And, uh, that was about it. So this dude could afford a tuxedo, but not. He could have rented it. (laughs) Well, Well, that's what I kind of said to the guy. I said, you know, and I was like within three feet of him, like officer, he didn't smell like boot. Like, cause maybe he was coming from a wedding or something. I think there's an episode of Seinfeld where he gets like robbed and he's talking to the cops. He's like, he's like, we'll fill out a report. We'll let you know if we catch anybody. And he's like, do you ever catch anybody? And they're like, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's he he was a really he was a nice he was a nice cop, though. It's like, well, I learned a a valuable lesson. Never turn your back. Uh, (laughs) And um, and like because in Pennsylvania, there's no front license plate. There's right. only back plates. Yeah. Yeah. So it's he's like, what kind of car was it? I'm like, it might have been a Subaru or an older Honda SUV. I don't know. It's a crossover. So, but he looked fantastic. That's the, that's the, <laughs> he looked great. Matt Tuck. He Thank you for running Tuck, into me though. and fleeing the scene. But damn, you're a chauffeur. Which is a crime. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a crime. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I have a Browns Ravens question. I'm okay. Chuck's toes. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, Please. W- uh, so last week, the bye week, I watched the Ravens Steelers game. Like I was watching a regular Browns game because that yeah. was an important game for me to watch. Right. And this week, clearly I watched the Browns Ravens game. Um, what the fuck is Harbaugh doing with his analytics in the middle of games? Like, why did yeah. he go for two? With nine minutes left in the game, when you were down, I mean, so to go for two, if they got it, they would have been down seven. So at that point, you have the best kicker in the world. Shouldn't you just kick the extra point and you're down eight points? That's one score. Because the analytics will tell you that the goal is to win the game, not tie the game. So you're going to go for two both of those times. Um, Or at least you're giving yourself the option. Like, you know, you need the two at least once. So your odds are better if you get it so sooner, my, so to speak. I sure. And I understand because there's like, there's like spreadsheets yeah. talking today in the car. Of course, there's and- spreadsheets that tell you that and all that kind of thing. And my favorite take on it was immediately after the game, Bill Cower of all people. Yeah. He, Bill he's like, Cower, I thought yeah, I saw it. he's like, sometimes you should just, you know, deal with what you see in front of you. And uh, he's like, yeah. he said something. He's like, he's like, screw the analytics. Like you kick the extra point. You, you know, especially the had had they done that and i hate to say this as a browns fan had they kicked the extra point there and we're down eight i bet they play in overtime and we lose that game (laughs) you know i mean yeah why yeah the offense didn't do anything for the whole second half why do you think they're gonna do something in overtime well well so because of the fact that we were still down or up nine it changes as as the team winning by nine with nine minutes left in the game it changes everything about how you approach that game yeah And I think Yellowstone is terrible. It's like I a I haven't yeah. committed yet. Ah, man. You know what? It should be so cool. Is, is, that it's like, is that Costner? Yeah, it's Kevin yeah. Costner. He's like a Costner. rancher, you know, mm-hmm. so there's like cowboys and shit. Like this is all stuff that's right in my wheelhouse. It's like a soap opera. It's so yeah. dumb. And no, like man. people kept Alex. telling us, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. You got to watch it. And to get the old episodes, you had to purchase them on Amazon. So I bought like a season of this show 
for like 20 bucks and we went through like seven episodes i'm like all right <laughs> my 20 bucks is not worth the rest of my time watching like this Mark, marky mark's second album all over again. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. why did you have to get it's on there? peacock i don't know we've got two more home games yeah two more home games I don't blame me for not going NFL is built for TV now. Like I'd rather man. sit on my ass, yeah, and not deal with weather or crowd or drunk. Um, there's a lot of Raider fans in Erie, which mm. makes a little bit of sense. Like Jeff Bolitnikoff is from Erie, and he was a I don't he might be in the Hall of Fame actually. He's a Hall of Fame receiver, but Fred Bolitnikoff, I don't. Fred Bolitnikoff. Jeff, Jeff was Jeff, Jeff, lesser. Jeff, lesser yeah. known. He played like no, left I'm, guard. Jeff is. I'm not sure. No, Jeff actually, made no, Jeff. No, he was a guard. No. Jeff, Jeff never <laughs> caught him. Jeff is a guy who was in Erie who I worked with for a while. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if he's relation. I would Fred Bolitnikoff so. is 100 percent in the Hall Fred of Fame. Fred Bolitnikoff. He's like I think the wide receiver award in college is the Bolitnikoff. Bolitnikoff. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That dude was good. So it's it's a it weird and Gerber, you've been in my seats. Like it you know what, man? Like if if I gave him the, like Miles and Miller went one one year, like you guys are in town, you know, Chuck, if, yeah. if you if like down the road, you and Chip are like, all right, yeah. we're a Browns fan. Like, hell yeah, like go sit in these seats. A, Take my seat. Browns fan. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Now, this is a whole topic for the show. Yeah, this is a yeah. serious topic, and this might be one we have to have Whitney come on because we got to yeah. talk about whether this kid is going to be oh, a Steelers fan or a Browns fan. That's he's a, he's a Browns fan. Yeah, I told her, and yeah. you can have her on. Uh, I told her that the firstborn will be a Browns fan. After that, roll the dice. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a roll. Yeah, like oh, you, you got you like, got to start you pulling out. Pirate fan. You could be a Penguins <laughs> fan. <laughs> no, no, I haven't. A while lately, nice, um, but nice. <laughs> I'm using yeah. this. I'm uh, using this. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But yeah, Chip is Chip is a Browns fan. She, right. she, I, he has worn Browns clothing. Um, when her uncle uh, last year for Christmas, I, I told her family, I said, "Do not buy him anything Steeler related. It will never be on him. It will yeah. never make it Going into my in the home. trash." Going and in her the trash. uncle, yeah, the guy who married us is a great dude uh they got him like a onesie and hat and little i don't remember him being that that great (laughs) i took that shit and threw it outside the door of his own home on christmas i'm like i told you never oh you are he's actually he'll like hang out during brown's game he'll hang out during brown's games and you know but Steelers yeah. are usually well Steelers play like 80% of their games in prime time so he's usually sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe perfect. that's why he's a perfect. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? Here to amuse you?